Welcome everybody. I'm Mark Fox of the Business Innovation Leaders Forum and delighted to partner today with IDC for this session on enterprise migration to the cloud and also pleased to introduce Brandon Butler, who is the research manager at IDC covering this sector. Brandon will be given a short presentation and then we'll have a discussion with the panel here from HP, Olam, Netscape and Tartar Communications. So Brandon, over to you to introduce the session. Great, thanks so much, Mark. And it's great to be here with, uh, with everyone. Um, we have uh, an exciting topic today to think about uh, how enterprises are uh, migrating to the cloud and specifically what impact uh, enterprise migration to the cloud uh, has on the network and uh, the wide area network uh, to be specific. So as Mark said, uh, we have a great uh, set of panelists here joining us today. We have Tommy Gardner from uh, HP. Um, we have Manny from, from OLAM. Uh, uh, Parag and uh, and Song from from Tata Communications. So uh, really looking forward to the to the discussion uh, today. But I'm going to kick it off today by talking about some of the transformations that we're seeing uh, in the wide area network uh, to reflect the multi cloud world that we really live in uh, today. Um, so uh, you know as as we get started, uh, you know we've seen a number of trends at the edge of the enterprise network. Uh, that have really caused organizations to rethink how they need to architect their network um, uh, to, to reflect the reality of today. And some of these trends are a long time in the making. Like over the last 10 years, we've seen this really significant shift from the data center being the focus of the network and, and really having a defined DMZ around the data center to now a multi-cloud world being a reality for most organizations today. And so this has required a significant change in how organizations think about their network and their WAN specifically uh, to compensate for that. And then over the last two years, we've seen another really significant transition to see how the network has evolved in the last two years. Um, and you think about the situation uh, that, has, uh, that we've all been experiencing in the last two years, and that has uh, really uh, uh, changed how the users and devices who are accessing those distributed applications, uh, where they're accessing those applications from. Um, yeah, so in the last two years, we've seen this shift from the campus and branch being that, that central place where users and devices access uh, the, the network to now those users and devices being more distributed. And so, so you have this distribution on both ends of the spectrum here, right? So you have distributed users and devices accessing these distributed applications. And so the network has to evolve to reflect this, this reality. And, and so, uh, you know, we have a survey data point um, that, that talks about how the, the network needs to change to, to reflect this. You know, a survey that we did last year said that almost 80% of respondents said that as they were thinking about edge computing and that as they were investing in edge computing, that it would require significant changes to their network architecture over the next two years. So really today, we're gonna to talk about how organizations are, are migrating workloads to the cloud and what that means for the network and, and the wide area network specifically. So as we go to the next slide, this, this one shares some, some data points um, on the right-hand side, looking at what are some of the, the top challenges that organizations are facing in terms of managing their wide area network. 
And you can see some of the top responses um, uh, from, from our survey. Um, you know, security requirements as organizations are considering and using IS and SaaS public clouds. Uh, you know, what, how, do I, how do I secure connectivity uh, to those public cloud-based applications? Uh, another top response almost tied with that first one was the complexity in terms of interconnecting multiple transport types, transports like MPLS and, and Ethernet and Internet um, and, and broadband and cellular. So we're going to talk about the important role of, of each of those types of connectivities. And then, you know, the third top response here is managing that consistent user experience, both on-premise and for off-premise, you know, cloud-based applications. And you can see the other uh, responses here across the survey as well. And so the, the point here is that we've seen technologies evolve to meet these, these WAN challenges. And, you know, we're going to talk specifically with our panelists today about what they see as some of the shortcomings of today's WAN and, and how they see that the WAN needs to evolve. But, um, you know, from, from our perspective, from my perspective, I've seen SD-WAN as being one of the key technologies that organizations are using to help solve some of these, these WAN challenges. And SD-WAN architectures on the left-hand side bring a, a, a number of significant benefits to organizations as they're thinking about transforming their network you know, for this multi-cloud world. Uh, SD-WAN helps organizations simplify their WAN architecture and simplify the, the deployment and the management of, of, of the WAN. It helps improve application availability and, and performance. Um, some organizations are using SD-WAN as a way to reduce dependence on, on MPLS, which is a, a topic that we'll discuss with our panelists. Um, also, SD-WAN can be used to help enhance the performance of, of IS and, and SAS, um, and, and it can help speed the deployment of WAN connectivity to new sites. So again, being able to apply SDN principles to the wide area network has been one of the, the, the key innovations that we've seen in the wide area network in recent years to be able to help solve some of these challenges. And as organizations are thinking about an SD-WAN strategy, there are a number of trends that, that we see that are driving organizations to think about how they would adopt uh, you know, WAN transformation strategies. And so the next slide talks about some of these, these key trends that we're seeing. So some of the trends that we're seeing driving the SD-WAN market, uh, Again, optimizing that SD-WAN deployment and the WAN in general for focusing on multi-cloud connectivity. So, you know, it's not just about connecting to a single cloud-based platform, but really the reality today is that the, the, the network needs to be able to connect to multiple different types of, of clouds. Um, uh, it needs to be able to connect to, to IaaS clouds, to SaaS-based clouds, uh, it needs to be able to uh, create those connections from a variety of different places as well, from data centers, or from uh, campus and branch locations, even from remote users and, and, and work from home users and, and devices as well. So being able to optimize that connectivity from wherever someone is accessing the application from to wherever that application needs to go to is, is one of those key trends. The second one here is about integrated security uh, in, in, in the WAN and SD-WAN specifically. And, and to me, this comes down to, to two layers of security being integrated with SD-WAN. One is, again, integrated security into the, the WAN itself. 
things like uh, encrypted traffic, things like deep packet inspection, things like intrusion prevention and detection. And then also, I think it's important to think about what are the cloud-based security services that organizations would like to connect into their WAN? Things like a cloud access security broker, things like a, um, a secure web gateway, to be able to route traffic through a cloud-based security platform on the way to its uh, to uh, wherever those those uh, applications that need to be accessed to. So we'll talk about that with the panelists today as well. The third trend here is around uh, what we call the software-defined branch, and this is the idea of having more integrated management across the WAN and the LAN. And so being able to have uh, uh, more cohesive management across your wired and wireless LAN, across your Ethernet switching and your Wi-Fi environment, and be able to, to uh, have consistent policies across your WAN and your LAN is, uh, is, is, is another trend that we see here. Uh, the fourth trend is around user and application device uh, experience. So, you know, we've, we've talked about uh, how the WAN is, is transforming here, uh, sort of how SD-WAN can, can help with all this. But to me, the, a, a key here is to ensure that the users and devices and applications are having high quality experiences across the WAN or being able to have uh, you know, consistent access to these cloud-based applications. And, and so having uh, uh, user and application and, and device experience assurance, having SLAs as part of that, um, having platforms for visibility and analytics, uh, I believe are gonna be key for, for WAN transformations as well. And then finally, this idea of, of wireless-first networking, right? So we're seeing increasingly that organizations are using new types of connectivity uh, for, uh, for, for backup connectivity in a lot of cases today, but increasingly for primary connectivity as well, and specifically cellular connectivity. Uh, so leveraging LTE, uh, 4G, uh, even 5G uh, for, uh, uh, for SD-WAN uh, deployments uh, to, be able to, uh, uh, to be able to manage multiple uh, WAN links, including a cellular connection, to WAN sites uh, is something that we're, we're increasingly seeing in, in terms of being a priority for folks as they're thinking about building out their, their WAN strategy. Um, within the 5G realm, we also see private 5G becoming uh, increasingly uh, considered by organizations, uh, having a, a sort of slice of the, the public 5G network dedicated for a specific enterprise and industry. So again, these, as, as I see it, are, are some of the, the key trends that, that we see driving the SD-WAN market, driving how organizations are thinking about transforming their network to be able to, uh, to, to meet the challenges of, of migrating applications to the cloud. So now I, I'd like to open it up to our panelists. And um, I, I'd like to hear from, from, from our, our great panelists here to, to hear about their perspective on these, on these issues as well. So, I'm gonna first ask each of the panelists to, to say a quick hello, to introduce themselves, tell us about um, uh, uh, what you do at, at the company you work for, and then we'll get into the discussion. So, uh, Tommy, I'll start with you. Uh, thanks very much for joining us today, and can you tell us a little bit about your role at, at HP? Yeah, I've uh, got a multivariate role at HP, as you would expect, uh, uh, CTO for the federal division. I uh, grew up in the uh, US Navy as a submariner, and commanded one of our nuclear subs in the U.S. Navy, um, and then has spent the last uh, 18 years in industry as a CTO or working for the CTO in a number of different companies. 
So my role at uh, HP is more outward facing, is trying to explain the complicated technology and cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, or quantum information science uh, to our customer or customer base, and then also in the federal markets uh, to the number of policymakers that are here in Washington, D.C. And uh, certainly cloud is a big issue uh, up on Capitol Hill and in the uh, D.C. environment and federal and state governments as well. Great. Thanks, thanks for being here with us, Tommy. We look forward to your perspective. And uh, Manny, thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, your role at, uh, at OLAM? Yeah, so really complicated. So I, so far, I've been the president and group CIO for OLAM. Uh, as some of you know, OLAM is an agri and food major in the world. Uh, but there is a restructuring that's going on in Milan right now. Uh, uh, with this restructuring, I'll be handling a business head role uh, going forward. Uh, and I've been in Milan uh, for the past over 14 years. And I've come from multiple industries, uh, from media, direct marketing, consumer durable, CPG, retail, and now agri and food industry. So that's my pretty much 30 plus years of varied industry experience. Great. Thanks for, thanks for joining us, Manny. Look forward to your perspective. And uh, Parag, uh, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you do at Netscope? Sure. Thanks, Brandon. I'm the SVP for the borderless SD-WAN division at Netscope. Um, Netscope is a market-leading SASE solution. We have over 2,000 customers, including uh, over 25 of the Fortune 500 accounts. Uh, and I head up the borderless SD-WAN division at Netscope. Great, look forward to hearing more about that. And, and Song, um, uh, welcome, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, uh, tell, us about your, tell us about your role at Tata. Thank you, Brandon. My name is Song To. I'm the Vice President of Product Management at uh, Tata Communications for Global Network Services. Tata Communication provides multiple managed services to enterprises around the world. And my business is primarily providing connectivity and uh, software-defined network services for enterprises to connect the employees and their branches to, and their cloud as well. Great, excellent. Well, we have a great panel here today to talk about these issues of how organizations are you know, migrating to the cloud and, and what that specifically means uh, for, for their network. So we have three topic areas we're gonna uh, discuss today. And the first one is gonna be really looking at uh, how uh, organizations, what are some of the challenges and shortcomings of uh, the, the traditional WAN as we've seen it? And as organizations are, are migrating to the cloud, what are some of the challenges that they have in, in terms of doing that? So. Um, uh, the the uh, the next slide here is going to sort of pick that uh, pick that theme up in terms of sort of why the WAN needs to evolve, right? And Song, maybe I'll have you uh, start on this. Uh, be interested in your perspective on what you're seeing from CIOs in terms of uh, you know where have traditional WAN architectures fallen short as organizations are thinking about uh, you know migrating to the cloud. Sure, Brandon. I think what's CIOs facing with respect to the WANs really having to do with how the whole IT architecture has been changing, right? They used to have a data center or multiple data center. All the branches were connecting to the data center because that's where the applications are hosted. But now they're increasingly 
using SaaS software as a service and public cloud. And this changes the traffic flow and changes the network de the demand on the network. Traditional WAN tend to be data center being the hub and branches coming in, uh, connecting coming in. But because now the traffic is not necessarily the, going towards the data center anymore, that's putting stress on this traditional WAN that's MPLS based, right? Increasingly enterprises have to adopt internet, having to have internet breakout, which then creates uh, challenges with security, with user experience performance, because the traffic isn't necessarily routed in the right, uh, in the right, I guess, in the most efficient way. And of course, uh, last but not least, user experience can often suffer because um, we send traffic on the long way and also uh, we spend too much time, too much money on the WAN, so you have to cons constrain on the bandwidth. All of these are putting pressure on the WAN to evolve. The adoption of SD-WAN, SASE, software-defined operations, all the things that you mentioned, Brandon, are the results of that. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, anyone else um, have some thoughts in terms of what you see as the, the top challenges that, that folks are, are facing in terms of migrating workloads to the cloud and, and what impact that has on, on the WAN? Tommy, I'd love to hear. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add quickly that you brought up sunk cost and uh, that's a very troubling part in any decision-making in industry. If you focus on what you did in the past and you're worried about, well, we invested all this money it does not allow you to go forward in making decisions for the future. You cannot count some cost in a decision process if you're going to make an optimal decision. Great. Yeah, it's, that's a key point. Yeah, Parag, uh, yeah, feel free. Yeah, I think from your slide, I think you mentioned that the users' devices and apps are all distributed. I kind of remembered a conversation uh, where I was presenting SD-WAN and the customer said, you know what, I didn't understand a single word of SD-WAN. And I was more curious. I'm like, what happened? And they're like, hey, you need to fly to my factory floor and I'll show you what my problem is. And sure enough, I fly there and they, they point to a machine. Machine has sensors in it. And they're like, that's my new branch. And it was very clear that, you know, the world is more distributed, right? It's not just branch offices. You have multi-cloud environments. You have branch offices. You have the branch of ones. You have, the, uh, you have users working from home. All these are a areas that require consistent uniform security and performance. Uh, but if you break it down, I think there are two major areas when you try to solve this, right? One is architecturally there are problems. And when I say architectural problems, that means you have SD-WAN, which was kind of primarily built for branch offices. And then you would say, hey, Zoom is high priority for my branch office. And when the user works from home, how do I get that Zoom is high priority on an end user machine or a laptop, right? Because person working from home doesn't get that consistent performance that they require. And then you get to yet another set of deployments where you will see a wireless WAN getting deployed in addition to your branch office in, in the SD-WAN appliance. So you have, again, multiple point solutions. And then you will see a slew of vendors just doing multi-cloud stuff, right? Which is focused on multi-cloud connectivity. So to me, I think the, the key is the, the market is pretty fragmented. If you notice this, you have branch offices, you have remote users, you have uh, the wireless WAN, and then you have the multi-cloud connectivity. And what the need of the hour or what the ask is, is, hey, can you give me this uniform platform? I need like this one platform 
right? I need one software that can kind of address these use cases for me. So I think that kind of brings like eliminating that multiple point solutions to address this needs is uh, something that we see a lot in our conversation. And mm -hmm. to me, that's more on the architecture side, right? But there's also functionality gaps if you see on the van side, right? Which is where the where I look at MPLS and where the Gen Zero, right? Wherein there was no SD WAN, it was more packet routing. And then SD WAN made it application aware. But to your point, you need to make it user device and application aware, right? It's not just applications, it's also the application risk. So how do I make my SD WAN more layer eight aware, not just layer seven, and make it go beyond apps to app risks, go beyond apps to user and user risks, right? And how do I get that context, more of like bringing that context into the WAN world? So that's number one. The other functionality is where you see MPLS and internet now moving to MPLS internet and having this 4G, 5G. And lastly, like uh, if you see the security was pretty much bolt on, right? In the SD-WAN world. And what people require is, hey, I need the best, because security is something you cannot compromise. I need the best security fully integrated in as a part of this unified offer and not just for a branch office, but for users working from anywhere, branch office, multi-cloud, and your IoT environment. And you layer in edge compute on top of it to enable new services, right? So I see there are more architectural gaps to unify this solution, and then there are functionality gaps as well. Mm. Yeah, thanks for that perspective, Greg. I think a number of interesting points there in terms of, it's not just about connecting the, the branch offices and, and maybe campuses, but it's increasingly about the, the users and, and devices, IoT devices as well. Um, and yeah, maybe folks need to think about not just uh, deploying a technology, but sort of re rethinking the architecture of their wide area network as well. Um, Manny, I'd be interested in your perspective. Uh, how has your organization thought about, you know, how migrations to the cloud has impacted your, uh, your network? Yeah, it's a big time, uh challenge to be honest. See, uh, we talk of cloud in a very loose word, but if you today look at most enterprises, it is it looks more like a hybrid cloud model. Right? It's not exactly 100% public cloud or exactly 100% data center. It's a combination of both. Some have done this architecture better, some are still struggling, etc. So, with this kind of an hybrid model, and that's going to continue for quite some time, it's, it's a massive uh, uh, challenge. And what is very baffling to me is that if you look at the last 20 years, everything has evolved. The technology is completely into a very different world. You already talk about how from a simple centralization, how we can distribute it, et But the, for the enterprises, MPLS remain a primary mode of connectivity. That's very baffling to me why connectivity or, or, or the WAN network has failed to keep pace with what's happening elsewhere in the technology world. Uh, and another major challenge is if you walk into any corporate and go to their offices, it's a complete mess. You have uh, you know, find solutions to connect to a corporate network, you have find solutions to connect to the internet, you have find solutions to connect multiple layers of security. So half of your 
whatever the network equipment plays you have is filled with all these devices and equipment just to keep the lights on and to come really nicely talked about cost part of it you should do now should be worried about the investment what you have made there is another point i would like to add to it is that what i notice is that managing this mess today you have is a huge cost if you can go into a simplified and unified model like sd van it's still evolving i think that can uh, dramatically actually give you a payback and do not worry about whatever you invested and it will also give you much superior uh, security performance etc etc and that's what i am noticing today with the deployment of new sd van kind of mm. yeah many thanks so much for that that end user perspective and yeah, tell me, I'd be interested in your, your thoughts around this as well. So what are you seeing as you're talking to customers, specifically in the in the federal space, in terms of what are some of their biggest challenges as they're thinking about migrating to the cloud? Yeah, I, I wanted to jump on what Frog said. Is sure. he, he pointed out security, and that's what my biggest concern is, and that's what our customers' biggest concern is, is the security of ever, and particularly when change is involved. Uh, Prague mentioned that there was gaps in architectures and you're bringing in new architectures and that's always a concern you're opening up vulnerabilities with anything new but when there's gaps in the different combination of architectures now you're really opened up and it reminds me of the old days when software development when we first realized that people could use the software to steal people's data or take people's files when the first hacking began uh, you would quickly throw a patch in to fill a hole, to patch a gap. And you didn't realize because of the rapidity of the change you were making that you opened up two new vulnerabilities for every one you fixed. And so it was cascading. And the complexity, as Manny mentioned, is only adds to that vulnerability quotient. And if you're not focused in your design on security, you're gonna be woefully sorry in the future uh, when the attacks occur and they're successful. So mm -hmm. keep security in mind, keep it number one. And thanks you guys for bringing that subject up. Mm. Yeah, Tommy, it's it's a great point to think about. Um, you know, security is, is such an important, important aspect of any technology buying decision. And I think it's even more important as folks are thinking about, uh, you know, expanding the, 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 the the uh, the way their their networks are architected to be able to um, you know access cloud-based applications. Uh, again, that the data center used to sort of be the DMZ and there were sort of four walls that you had to protect. Now with such distributed applications, the attack surface and security footprint that needs to be covered has has expanded as well. And you know I think that leads into our, our second topic area here. Um, which is really talking about what are some of the solutions that organizations should think about deploying uh, in their WAN uh, to really, you know, optimize and secure their, their wide area network. So, you know, if we go to the next slide that introduces the, um, the, the second topic area here. So we've talked about a number of, of innovations in the WAN from things like analytics and, and visibility and, and security and performance. 
Um, but how can these actually be implemented and how do folks prioritize which, which ones to implement here? And Manny, I'd be interested in, in your thoughts on this in terms of, um, you know, how has, how has Olam uh, thought about, you know, how to prioritize uh, these, these architecture decisions? Um, you know, you mentioned that it, it could, be, uh, could be messy to, to manage all of these different considerations. Uh, so what advice do you have for folks in, in terms of moving forward here? Yeah, so, so obviously, uh, as, a, as a CIO, the wish list is never ending. Uh, but clearly, uh, I did mention about all this current network, especially around MPLS, et cetera, is definitely outdated. Primarily now, uh, there is clearly one important aspect how, how we can uh, deliver cost savings with new van network, like SD-WAN, et cetera, for example, which clearly provides uh, primarily because it rides on the, uh, on the internet, so on and so forth. But however, even in SD-WAN, I'm just talking about the last generation SD-WAN, was focused only on that aspect. I think there are new next generation SD WANs are still emerging, and I think it's going to continue to evolve into a very different world. However, some of the things like one of the things which is very important in the new SD WAN when we were evaluating, looking at it, is one is clearly the user experience. As you have mentioned, that there has to be a very unified experience that is required in one of your survey also many of the CIOs have pointed at that. Today, uh, be it your uh, traditional network or even the large generation SD-WAN is failed to provide that. I think the next generation SD-WAN clearly has to focus on consistent user experience in whichever mode or whichever location or from wherever you are connecting. That's very important. Second one, which is very, very critical, is to have the L7 functionalities or an application-defined networks or application-aware SD-WAN functionality that become very critical because that's going to then help in the user experience management, right? And the third one is with uh, IOTs, et cetera, taking, especially we being a big manufacturing, are taking a big center stage, and the distributed architecture is going to become even worse, right? In that scenario, you need to have the solution able to provide even at the IoT level, right? Uh, services, be it on securities, be it on QoS, be it on any of those required to be able to deliver, including your CASB, your zero trust models, et cetera. It would be challenging because those are all very small devices, but I think the new SD-WAN has to emerge into those models. Third one is zero touch, autonomous, uh, even far greater automations and ability to analyze the traffic across the distributed network, enterprises, even people from working from home, et cetera, and able to create 
uh, what you call able to build, you know, define its own network path very quickly in agile fashion. It also able to add and delete bandwidths. These are all like a fancy stuff, and I I believe all those things are going to come uh, pretty much uh, into the entire thing like a dynamic routing and etc. etc. Which is what an internet offers, and then SD-WAN has to take those core functionalities and provide all of those things in a very, very uh, secured fashion. And then finally, uh, the clearly, the people you know work from anywhere is a model that has become after in 2020, right? Now that is going to be a remote working is going to be order of the day for every organization, right? Hybrid working is going to happen. Therefore, it is inevitable the world is going to be connecting mostly through internet, 5Gs, and etc. So therefore, it is very important this space and SD-WAN space continue to evolve rapidly to ensure to we are able to connect to any cloud, able to connect from anywhere, and able to quickly build our own private virtual network, secure way to operate, etc. There are mm. sky Right. Yeah, Manny, those are those are great points. I really appreciate uh, that perspective there. Um, I, I did want to touch on this issue of MPLS and, and Song. I'd be interested in your perspective on this. You know, I think Manny had mentioned this idea of you know what what role does MPLS play when folks are relying more on internet or cellular connectivity? Uh, what, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, Brendan, I think it's important to think about the WAN as a complex network of distributed endpoints, right? I mean, we talked about you, you in your early presentation, your slides, you talk about users who are distributed and of course, offices that are distributed and applications that are distributed. For a lot of our global enterprise customers, they have a distributed setup, which means that not all the applications are in one place and they're not all available everywhere. So you have traffic that has to go across long distances. And this is where there are use cases, especially when data centers are involved or traditional applications are involved whether it's site to data center or site to cloud, if the application itself is sensitive to latencies, to jitter, MPLS become a very important tool set in the WAN design. And I think we are seeing in many enterprises as they embark on network transformation, they're reducing the proportion, they're adopting hybrid WAN, they're reducing the proportion of MPLS, but MPLS typically isn't going entirely away or they're looking for maybe MPLS quality in internet, which our ISO internet WAN offers. I mean, the world is changing, but uh, the world is not becoming flat, unfortunately. <laughs> There's still distances and the, the requirement of user experience need to be optimized. It's not purely solved by SD-WAN because my story of SD-WAN is, it can find you the better path to send the traffic to the destination, but if every path or every road that you have is full of potholes, you're not gonna get any better experience. Your drive is gonna suck. But <laughs> if you 
have some roads that are good, and those are premium routes that you can send important traffic on, then you can guarantee user experience. So this is where MPLS fits, right? And um, sure, yeah, great. No, it's an, it's an interesting perspective. So Parag, I want to get your thoughts on this idea of how folks can integrate security into their WAN architecture. Because to me, it seems like folks have a choice of, do I go with sort of single vendor platform that gives you an integrated network and security? Or do I go with a platform that's going to allow me to leverage some existing security investments I have with integrations with my, you know, maybe firewall that I already have? How should folks think about some of these decisions uh, when they're thinking about new architectures for their WAN? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So, um, so a couple of things, right? I think um, choice is important, right? So you you need to give because who are we to dictate like what customers should pick? Uh, choice is important. Uh, there has to be that interoperability aspect, right? For vendors who like it, or for customers who want it, and then there is also a better together story because. I think just to add to what Mani was saying, like the van has to be application aware. Uh, I would take it a step further. I would say the van has to be context aware, right? So can I bring in some of the security context in the SD-WAN world and deliver a one plus one is greater than two story, right? And which is pretty much doable at, in this day and age. So having that integrated story gives you that additional benefit, but obviously customers should have full flexibility in terms of the choice of what they want to pick as a technology. Uh, but you also have to demonstrate how security and networking coming together is delivering much richer values. Um, AI-driven operations and simplicity is key. So as you do this aspect, can I correlate my security events with the network events to make sure there are less false positives in the network, right? So again, that security networking coming together becomes important from that perspective. Um, and lastly, just the sheer diversity of use cases that money was talking about, I can totally relate with that. Hey, how do I get this uniform security and performance from the branch office, not just for the branch, but also for my IoT, also for my users working from home? They are, it's the same Parag or money who is in the branch. It's the same Parag and money who are home. I need to extend the same level of security, same level of optimization, including optimizing traffic over internet links for people working from home, right? So having that consistent uniform security and performance, no matter where you are, whether you are in a cafe working from home or whether you are in a branch office, that to me is critical, right? And then in that process, yeah, people should get flexibility of picking what is the best solution for them. But I do believe that having that one unified solution gives additional benefits uh, that uh, a dual vendor would not be able to provide. But I think it should be interop. There should be interoperability with both uh, with with different vendors. Sure. Yeah, and Tommy, I'd be interested in your perspective. You know, we were talking about all these new technologies and features of technologies and new architectures. What advice would you have for folks as they're thinking about you know the best way forward? How to how to actually implement yeah, some of these things? We're standing on a shifting platform. The, the The world is shifting below us as we speak. And I know by the end of the year, there's going to be some exciting announcements about a quantum internet and uh, been keeping my ear to the ground about that. And that's a whole new animal that we're talking about here. And you need to be prepared for it. Now, I'm a big fan of SD-WAN. I like this uh, software-defined networking. It's a great concept and it's applying uh, better and better every year. But uh, if you add a quantum internet and a quantum internet is designed 
to for attribution. So one of the key innovations here, maybe under visibility, is attribution. So you know who it is who's acting on your network with certainty, not with it most likely looks like somebody that could be, but with certainty, if you can do that. And then the security, uh, one of the things that attribution brings you is it gives you the potential for more security. But if you're using photons as uh, entangled photons as a security mechanism, uh, now you're looking at a whole new platform that still can be transported over an SD land, but you need to be thinking about the innovations that are coming when you're trying to plan for today so that you're ready for them when they get here. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, and you know, I think that leads well into our, our third topic of, of discussion in, in the third area. So it's really thinking about how to build your, your, your network for whatever may come to the future. And um, you know, we're, we're living in an era now where over the last two years, we've seen significant shifts in terms of for, for businesses around the globe, um, you know, we've seen uh, from a macroeconomic perspective where, where we've seen supply chain constraints, you know, be a major impact on, on not just the IT market, but, you know, across a number of industries. Uh, we're in an inflationary era right now. There are uh, fears of a potential recession next year. Um, so Tommy, wondering your perspective on how should organizations think about uh, you know, what they need to do to ensure that their organization is ready to be able to compete in any, any sort of environment that's happening from a macroeconomic perspective? What's the best way to think about ensuring resiliency and agility for your organization, no matter what's happening from a macro perspective? Well, the, the, the principles come from innovation science. And uh, I studied at MIT and they have some real gurus in that field at uh, up in Massachusetts, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, the, the thought is that any invention may make something better, but it doesn't become an innovation unless the economics are right, unless the environment economically allows wide adaptation in a market. And so there are a lot of great inventions that are lying on the cutting room floor because they weren't economically feasible. Now, in this case, I think we, we've got a winner. And uh, the, the warning I give industry is that just because today it costs more to do something new than what you're doing now, you have to consider the cost at scale because the initial cost, when you've only got ones and twos and you're taking it straight out of the lab, is gonna be higher than what the learning curve is gonna bring you downstream. And when you're operating at scale and the costs start to drop precipitously as we've seen throughout the whole IT revolution. So you've gotta consider cost, but look at cost at scale and what future costs will be. Uh, I, I know when we're talking cloud, uh, if you're not on premise, you've gotta be very sensitive to the cloud cost, the total cost, not just the cost of hardware, but the operational cost to keep things running. And if you're operating off a, a big company cloud, it, every time you click a CPU cycle, there's a micro cent being charged and you need to understand those costs as well. And it may drive you to bring things on premise, uh, which isn't a bad idea to start with. It protects your data just as well if you've got the right protections in place. Mm. 
yeah, anyone else want to share some thoughts on sort of how the, the network, uh, how you can prepare your network for whatever may come into the future, Parag? Yeah, like, so So I'll give an example here. So we recently conducted a survey at Netscope and it was uh, probably 3,500 enterprise CIOs. And one of the things we were not surprised to see, 81% of global CIOs in the survey, they said that they are likely to purchase a SASE solution, which has like a single vendor SASE solution. Uh, and they plan to do so in next one to four years. So it kind of shows you how, like even with this, you talk about economy, it doesn't impact that. Like people are still thinking of connecting their users, connecting their branches, no matter where they are. And what was even more interesting was more than the technology, probably two thirds of the CIOs that we spoke to, they said SASE will also change how they structure their teams in future, because it's really getting the security and networking coming in together. And formally, the groups which were like separate, like security and network teams, which were sitting in separate organizations, and how is the budget going to be structured um, as you move down to this SASE path, right? So more than two-thirds of them felt that it will also change the structure, which was very interesting um, uh, data as well. Um, just to give you an example, we did uh, uh, PDC Energy as an example, right? Uh, their use case started with employees working from home. And reason I bring this up is how they achieve agility and cost saving, right? So they wanted a converged architecture and they said, oh, wow, I have this. Now you give me like rock solid performance, like people connecting from home. Can I like connect my field trucks? So we got into 400 of their field trucks, right? So literally a truck moving around and think of a mobile SD WAN branch, like with a branch of one inside the truck, you have connectivity needs um, and you need a converged architecture. I don't want two different policy managers, two different head ends, two different infrastructures to manage a connect converged connectivity truck. And now they're talking to us about oil wells. Oh, wow, can I run like edge compute on this device? And can I also connect oil wells to the same infrastructure? So point being like when you start converging these things together and going back to what Mani and Tommy brought up initially, like built-in security, right? Built-in connectivity, uh, not just for one use case, but for a variety of different use cases. I think that is key. Great, yeah, great perspective, thanks. Uh, Song, many, any, any thoughts on advice on, uh, maybe Song, uh, let's hear from you on- Yeah, so I'll how, jump how, in, uh, Brendan. Yeah, go ahead. I think uh, cost is always one of those factors, but as Tommy and others have said too, I mean, what I advise uh, my customers and my clients, if when you look at cost, it's not just the cost of how much you're paying for setting up your network and your IT architecture, but it's also, how much is that investment enabling your agility and your growth initiatives, right? One of the problems with traditional architecture on the WAN side especially, was it constrained how much you can grow, how much you can change as your business need change, as your team alignment change, as your people move remote or come back halfway, right? The newer generation architecture is more software defined with its SD-WAN, SASE, software defined branches, or really enable that kind of uh, flexibility and agility, and also allows enterprises to either do it on themselves on their own or working with a service provider to bring all these together on a converged platform. That's really what you know their investment enabled them to do. So the economic outlook asked them to be more prudent, but also asked them to be looking out for what happened when the storm's over, right? You don't just 
you know, hunker down and then plan, don't plan for the future. You have to plan for both. Mm. Yeah, Manny, uh, thanks, thanks, Song. Um, Manny, how, how do you, how do sort of what's happening from the macroeconomic perspective impact sort of how you make decisions from an IT perspective, if at all? Uh, I'm sort of going to give a more on more an optimistic picture because uh, the economic thing, uh, I believe, is a very short-term scenario right now. I think maybe a year or two. Thereafter, I personally believe we are going to enter into a very big boom cycle driven completely by technology. Very, very clear. The world is becoming more and more tech-driven. And more importantly, the companies are all become tech-driven companies, right? And network is, if not already, is going to be the nervous system of these businesses. So therefore, there is no choice. People can talk of cost, people can talk of everything. I think if businesses have to survive, they have no choice except to make sure they change, they invest on this new network nervous system. So I am I'm least concerned about the current economic scenarios. Great. Yeah, thanks. Great. Well, this has been this has been a great discussion, um, and I do want to uh, open it up for uh, Q and A from any of our um, uh, attendees. Um, but first, I just want to give our, our panelists a chance to to wrap up any concluding thoughts. You know, anything that we that we haven't covered. Um, you know, the topic of today is is really thinking about enterprise migrations to the cloud and and what that means for the IT organization. Um, so, you know, is there anything that we haven't covered that you guys wanted to wanted to mention here? Um, you know, what are some some key priorities that, that you'd like to leave uh, folks with? Um, Tommy, yeah, yeah, a lot of discussion has been going around about equity and internet equity and and being able to get uh, broadband and get uh, data out connectivity to all people. I think that's very important. Something certainly uh, as a goal we want, and and that makes the internet, the cloud, the infrastructure, a public good where it's really owned by all people. And uh, I, I think we're headed that direction. The other issue that we didn't discuss is critical in all this is ethics. And what are internet ethics? What is cybersecurity ethics? Different things to different people, just as basic ethics means different things to in different individuals. But we need to keep our designs and our bills with ethical considerations in mind. And I, the example I'll give is AI, is the data you're using within AI can have some ethical issues in it. And uh, there's brought up throughout uh, the discussion of, of broadband and the internet and connectivity and data transfers of you know, how we do it and what biases are inserted or what benefits certain groups get and others don't. And I think we need to keep those things in top of mind in our designs, just to be good citizens. That's a great point. Um, yeah, we'll just go through the, the list here. So uh, Manny, uh, any, any final thoughts here? Yeah, I, I, I'm possibly going to put my sort of a prediction. A yes, please, prediction. I wanna hear it. So I do believe we're going to have a great intersection of the three and six G, right? is going to dramatically alter the world. Whatever the concept 
we know today is all and that is going to be covered by the network. So I think at that intersection, maybe five years or two years down the line, the concept of corporate network as we know today will be ours. It will not exist anymore. Even what we know as land, which is within every office will be out. I personally believe corporate networks will be created on the fly. No land, nothing. Even if somebody comes to office, here everybody is individually connecting through Wi-Fi, SFGs, and they are all into a free or a distributed computing model, which is the direction in which I personally believe the entire the networking world will be going towards. It will become so simple, uh, no wires, nothing, no concept of all these multiple devices, security, etc. Single device model to ensure that you are secure. At the same time, all these other layers of land and everything will be broken into a single unified model. It's easier said than done, but I believe some of the guys like uh, uh, Parag, Tom, and these people are going to make it happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's a great perspective. <laughs> Yeah, why do you why do you need a LAN if you have a, a converged LAN, right? Uh, Parag, uh, any final thoughts? No, I, I I kind of agree with the sentiments here, right? So one is uh, I do think data is the new currency, right? And with more data in more places and more distributed, uh, what it puts the pressure on is kind of delivering that consistent security and performance uh, to wherever this data is, um, and that is key, right? And delivering that consistent security and performance should be really, really easy, right? It should not be complex. And you need to deliver it across different use cases, right? It's not just a branch, but it has to be branch, multi-cloud, uh, wireless. It could be a remote user. So delivering that uniform security performance, make it really easy uh, and uh, uh, make it very, very simple and consistent. Right, right. Uh, Song, uh, any uh, concluding thoughts? Yeah. Well, I think my concluding thought here is really, I, I agree with whatever everyone has said, especially the future vision. Maybe there's no land, there's no when, there's just one ether, right? But I also want to look at how the, where, because I, I've spoken to a lot of enterprises and they're all in some stages of transformation. They still have to pay attention to what they have already purchased or what they're about to purchase. How do they transition? So all that we talked about, MPLS, internet, multi-cloud connectivity, security, SD-LAN, uh, they're, they're looking, you know, they need to solve the problem. How do you bring these together in a way that's manageable, that can be uh, managed in a way that's transparent, visible, so that they know how the users are, are receiving, what kind of performance the users are receiving, what kind of traffic or what kind of faults are happening in the infrastructure. And at the same time, be able to set consistent policy that applies. If this person can only use this application in this area, when they go get out of this area, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. And that's something that needs to be supported. So these are the needs of the day, right? That's not the future. And as the substrate and the transport continue to evolve, I think the business need of, of being able to control, the business need to have the intelligence of what's happening on the network will continue. And that 
Some enterprises are seeking a managed service provider to help. Some are using you know, system integrators or doing it on their own. I think all of these are valid options, but uh, the problem doesn't go away. It doesn't become, it doesn't disappear, unfortunately. And that's, uh, that's my thoughts. Great. Yeah, I just want to say thanks to all the panelists for uh, sharing their perspectives here.